This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Everybody, Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio, and my friend Brandon Steckler is with me. Hey, Brandon. Carm, how are you? I'm great. Technical editor, Motor Age Magazine. Yes, sir. Trainer for WTI, CTI, and you're a busy guy. Yeah, you could say that. I got a lot of irons in fire, so to speak. Wear many hats. It's no secret we're facing a technician shortage, but rest assured, Napa Auto Care is addressing that one tech at a time with your help. The free two-year apprentice program offers a variety of training to produce a technician through nine stages of curriculum, earning four ASE certifications throughout the program. To learn more, members can visit member.napaautocare.com or contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store's sales rep. Back to when I originally interviewed you a bunch of years ago, and I found out your legacy in 2001. You graduated from GM Automotive Service Educational Program in Northampton Community College in Bethlehem, PA. And then you went to work on Saturn's. A Saturn dealership. It was a combination Saturn dealership and Oldsmobile dealership. And my mother got me in the door there. She's in the industry as well years ago. She was a body shop manager. And she knew the service manager at the Bayless Oldsmobile dealer. So he got me in the door. After about a year, a position opened up in the Saturn building where I'd have a lot more work. I went there. And then Honda. Then Honda. Yeah, Honda came around 2003 or five. I, I don't remember. It's been a while. Yeah, I, I ran with that. It was a lot of fun. And I never forget you talking about having a very important mentor in your life. Who's that? Yeah, who is that? We should really talk about Jim, shouldn't we? We sure should. By far, one of the most important people in my life. I truly owe that man my career. He was patient with me and took me under his wing. And he's a mean old son of a gun. He told me, I'm going to help you along as long as you want to learn. But you lose that fire in your belly, I'm going to drop you like a hot potato. He was serious. And we did an episode with Oscar Gomez and the same thing happened to him. Somebody took him under his wing and says, the minute you give up, I'm out. So we mentioned the word Jim, but we never said Jim Morton. Yes, sir. That's who we're talking about. And he's an inspiration to so many people. And he's got a great outlook, great personality. But you're right. It'd be tough. And sometimes that's what we need. We sure do. It's very easy to get distracted in this industry and lose your place, especially when you're not seeing the success is up front. You're getting your butt kicked every day. You're not feeling accomplished. It's it's easy to want to walk away. I remember wanting to leave the industry just a few months after I started, but people like Jim keep me grounded, keep me focused and keep me on track. And again, I, I owe my entire career to him. Everything that's happened to me in the last 15 years was because of him directly. Brandon, are you doing this for any younger techs or wannabes? Believe it or not, that's exactly why I do it. That's the sole reason I do it. I have this thought that it took me and my pea-sized brain 25 years to get where I'm at right now. I'm confident if I could get a hold of a youngster out of school that has a good head on his or her shoulders, I can get them to where I'm at and then some in five years or less. I'm confident of that. That's my goal. They need to listen to you. You need to guide them. You need to be there when they're giving up, when they're struggling, all of that. I guess my approach would be, here's what not to do. <laughs> I don't mean it like they have to listen to everything I say, but there's so many things I could have done differently, Carmen. We all know hindsight's 2020. But you live and you learn, and some of the best lessons learned are the ones from your mistakes, as long as you learn from them. There are some things I wish I did differently, but then again, you change one thing, certain other things change, and I might not be where I'm at today if I changed 
just one thing, you know? You know, isn't it great to be in a class that you're teaching and you get up there and this is the mistakes section. Let me share with you. (laughs) I've done only a thousand in my life, but I'm going to pick two really important ones and share them with you so that maybe it prevents you from doing that. Did you ever get into that mode? Almost every class I teach, I spend a good amount of time talking about how I messed something up, how I cost the company a bunch of money, or I made the same mistake twice and people are looking at me like an idiot. It's fun for me because people get to see that I'm human just like them. And so many younger guys, I don't want to say put me on a pedestal, but they look at me like I'm better than them. And I'm not. We both have the same opportunities. I remember a young guy caught me out of an elevator one day when I was at an event, a training event in Texas. When I walked out of the elevator, his jaw hit the ground and he was tapping his buddy on the shoulder without ever losing eye contact with me. He says, oh my God, it's Steckler. Can we get your autograph? Can we take pictures? And I was tremendously flattered, but I thought it was a little bit ridiculous. I'm like, these guys don't realize I've done the same nonsense they have. I'm just a little bit older. That I'm human too. That whole celebrity thing, it's very difficult to live with when I meet people when I'm out. And I don't mean celebrity in any big way, but people come out and say, wow, I just want to thank you so much because I discovered the podcast, I listened to it, and it really changed my life. I decided to change the course of my business or to get into business or to become a better leader or to read books. And it's what why we do what we do as influencers and in your particular case, a trainer, but you're an influencer too because you do change people's lives when they leave your class. That's my goal is to make somebody, give somebody the opportunity to go back to work and start implementing something they learned. They have a better day at work. They make more money, but more importantly, their confidence goes up. They can feel confident at work. They have much better days at work. What's motivating text today? I know it's getting tougher and tougher. When I say tougher, I mean, working on vehicles is not as easy as it used to be. The layers of complexity have simply stacked up on what we already found challenging in the past. So getting a technician to proper training is going to give them the ability to feel confident and work harder and also actually perform well at work. I think what motivates techs used to be money, all about money. Money's important and I'm still motivated by money, but I will not sacrifice my pleasant day at work to make more money. It's not a valuable trade-off for me. So in my opinion, I think technicians want to be knowledgeable. I think they want to be educated. I couldn't say that confidently in years past. I think in years past, there was a handful of techs that wanted to know if they had the opportunity, did not want to go to training. Now I think training in many situations, part of the deal when they shake hands for the job. Yeah, should be. The interview that the technician should be doing with the owner, I get the benefits part. I get the hours work part. I get the tooling part, but it has to be the hours of education you expect me to have and I'm all in and that you're going to pay for it. And we're not just going to do lunch and learns, but we're going to look for hands-on stuff. And I need to be in a networking group. I don't think anyone can blossom to the degree. I don't care what job it is, what skilled job it is today, unless you're constantly out there churning and learning. Agreed. It's very easy to fall behind on technology in a very short amount of time if you don't keep up with it in our industry. Okay. How can trainers be exciting? You get up in front of a class, they say, oh, it's Brandon's class. You've got this real home body approach and you excite the group. What's your magic there? I remember my first opportunity to get in front of a classroom. I was nervous as, as anyone would be. In my mind, I wanted to be professional and I wanted to be like so many of the trainers that I looked up to. But then I realized just a few minutes into what I'll call a presentation, I couldn't do it. I had to be myself. And if that means slightly loose language every now and then. I don't do it on purpose. It just happens. It's from, it's how I was raised. Never trying to offend anybody or anything, but, but I like to joke and I like to make people laugh. 
I think if you can make people laugh, you can get them to trust you. And when there's that trust between you, me, I should say, and the people in class in front of me that want to learn from my mistakes and my successes, I think it's very important to establish that trust. So I'm always out to be everybody's friend. I'm always out to be friendly. I readily hand out my email address and my personal cell phone number to anybody. And I've been told I'm crazy for doing that, but it's never bitten me. It's always established relationships. I consider everyone that's contacted me a friend. I love to go to a seminar, even listen to a speaker and see the ebb and the flow and the tonality that it can't all be one tone, just PowerPoints. There needs to be movement, body language. You go up and down the aisles, you look at people, there's a curiosity in their face. They're not getting it. And do you ask them if they got it or do you just say, hmm, I think I better go back and cover this. That to me makes a class engaging. It's almost like you can't go to sleep in a Brandon Steckler class. Thanks, Carmen. You know, you said the key word engaging. It's one thing to stand up there and deliver information. I can do that all day long. It doesn't mean it's going to be a great class. It just means there's good information. I've seen it all the time. Being in CarQuest Technical Institute as one of their training instructors, I have the tremendous opportunity to see a class taught five, six different times by five or six different trainers. And even as an instructor who knows that same material, son of a gun, I didn't think to say that. Wow, what a great point. And there's always those aha moments. So finding a way to relate to the people in class is what I hunt for. That's my, that's the secret to my success. Many times it's using analogies. Are you like me? I mean, I could be sitting down having dinner and I got to have a pad of paper near me and I got to be able to write down stuff that come to me. And then I have to remember where I put it or how I filed it and where I can recall it back. Is your brain always working? I wish I could say no, but it is. And and sometimes, you know, I try to distract myself. I've got, I enjoy my life. I've got friends and a wonderful girlfriend and I spend time doing things I like to do. I'm not all about cars, but I will frequently open up the notes section of my cell phone and I'll just jot down a bullet point if I have an idea. No, I'm not some nut job that's just sitting down at, at a Starbucks writing in a journal all day long. When a thought comes to me, I write it down. But as far as eating goes, I like to eat. So nothing really interrupts my meals. New responsibilities at Endeavor. You're doing more video stuff. I am. I'm still the technical editor of Motor H Magazine. And that began in about, I believe it was 2019, if I'm not mistaken. I was hired as a subcontractor. So I began contributing to the magazine with articles, content. And then they introduced me to that position as technical editor, still as a contractor. But I started editing for content from other contributors and working with the team at Endeavor. Endeavor production team to make sure the magazine was done properly and efficiently. And eventually I took over full time. However, beginning this year, most of my time is spent creating video content. So I do a a couple of different series. One's called The Trainer, and that typically features a sponsored tool or topic through demonstration on my own personal vehicles or, or another donor vehicle. I demonstrate what the tool can do. And what I try not to do is make it a selling point. I don't try and say why you have to buy this tool. I just show how the tool works. I demonstrate it and let people make their own decisions. Another one's called Mastering Diagnostics. And that's one where I can pretty much do whatever the heck I want to do to show people techniques, tools and techniques I've used over the years to help me repair cars efficiently. Okay. I'm a technician. I'm just at the top of my game, but I also get the fact that I have to stay as current as possible and be a perpetual student. What courses should I take this year? I'm a little bit biased and I'll tell you why. It's very difficult for me to make a suggestion on which classes to take and which classes to skip. I'll be the first one to tell you. Anytime you have an opportunity to take a class, take it, no matter who the instructor is or no matter what training company it's for or even what topic it is. You can always learn something. And that's the truth. Even I do. I still learn every time I sit in the classroom. But back to my point, there are shops out there that choose to specialize. 
And when I say specialized, you might see a Mercedes-Benz BMW-specific shop. Naturally, those technicians are going to want to gravitate towards training, particular to those vehicles. And I understand that. Someone like me in the atmosphere I worked in over the last few years, I work on a little bit of everything. So the classes I want to focus on are basic in nature. When I say basic, I'm not trying to scare anybody off and saying, oh, it's basic, it's boring. When I say basic, I mean truly at the base, it applies to every single car we work on. So anything that focuses around electricity or physics, what I like to call it, I learned to call the 85% and applies to 85% everything we work on. Those are the classes I like to focus on. So for instance, if I can, I would not go take a class on GM variable cam timing or BMW valve tronic, which is variable valve lift and duration. I will take a VVT and VCT class generically. So I understand how the systems are configured and how electricity is used to operate mechanical devices and how hydraulics control the system. That's the stuff I focus on, the basics. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sure does. I love that, the 85% rule. Yeah, and I learned that from Morton too. That's one of the most important things he ever taught me. 85% of the things that happen on cars happen on all of them because of the physics involved. So if we focus on learning the 85%, we're pretty much covering most of the cars and most of the systems out there. What's the inverse to that, the 15%? The 15% is how each manufacturer controls that device. So the 85% might be an ignition coil. They all work exactly the same. You can't change physics. But how we control that coil, that's the 15%. We can read about that in service information. To your point, 15% of what you're going to learn, in many cases, it's on your own. It's your journaling. It's your mistakes. It's your, as you say, reading, doing trying, networking, you'll figure it out. Because if you got the 85%, it's got to push you, motivate you. Can't be that much further here. I got this. Yeah. That portion that's missing can be found in our service information systems. We can read about it on the spot. Should I take an ADAS class? I think so. I definitely think you should take a basic ADAS class. One that talks about the components, how each one of the components works individually, how they network and work together to create these subsystems and all these different subsystems that made up that umbrella acronym we call ADAS. So ADAS is just a blanket statement for advanced driver assistance systems, but there are different subsystems that make up ADAS. If we understand how they work at their most basic level, how Honda does it versus how Mercedes-Benz does it is just something we're going to have to read about. It's rather you take a basic one, unless, of course, all you work on is Mercedes-Benz. NAP is proud to have America's largest network of parts and care with nearly 6,000 auto parts stores and over 18,000 auto care centers. In that spirit, the NAP auto parts and auto care logos have a new look, carefully designed to be visually alike. This will further cement NAPA as the place to go for consumers when in need of vehicle maintenance. Now, did you know NAPA Auto Care was top rated in a national survey by consumers of car repair in the chains and independent repair shops category? These ratings were based on courtesy, timeliness, quality, price of repair, and percent of times the problem was fixed on the first visit to the repair facility. Napa Auto Care is the only banner program to make these ratings. Consumers are familiar with the Napa Auto Care brand, and you can benefit from their continued success. Your independent repair facility can join this network and be supported through Napa's national marketing by... Promoting your local repair facility with targeted media in local markets and in proven channels, allowing you to compete with a national presence by co-branding your locally known brand with the nationally recognized NAPA brand using the Pro Image Auto Care program. 
Also, partnering with Napa SmartSign. Now, it educates your clients with engaging videos that tell the why behind a needed repair or service. You also get access to editable digital menu boards, template builder tools, social media feeds, and integrations with other auto care program elements. Napa also offers a credit solution to customers with Napa Easy Pay Consumer Financing with your business name embossed on the credit card. Napa also gives you an online presence when the consumers search for a local repair facility on Napa Online using the Auto Care Locator tool, which generates millions of views per month at no additional cost. From parts to care, from coast to coast, we are one Napa. Now, if you're interested in partnering with Napa Auto Care and capitalizing on the latest national marketing campaign, contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store or sales rep. Hey, tell us the story about your trip to Europe. I just find this fascinating to everyone who's listening, and I don't want to steal your thunder, but Brandon's had an opportunity to go out of country in 2019 and 2020 to do some teaching, and you're going back. Let's hear the story. Yeah, the backstory is, based on my first class that I wrote, the Pressure Waveform Acquisition Analysis from the Inside Out class, it gained a lot of traction, and I got a lot of queries from all over the world. And one of which came from, who's now my good friend, Ryan, out in the London area of England. And he was struggling with a car. He think he knew what was wrong with it. But the point of him calling me was, it was a huge commitment to find out for sure. It was about a a 33-hour job. And he wanted to be sure. So he asked if I could take a look at some data and be confident. After looking at the data, I told him I was. He took the vehicle apart and found exactly what we thought he was going to find. Well, the point is, he said, this is great. Can you teach this stuff? And I said, yeah, I can teach this stuff. And he said he'd arrange for me to teach in England. Well, we taught in the South and the Midlands and up North in Scotland. It went great. We did a second tour the following year. We covered those same areas, but then we added Ireland to it. I'm thankful for that opportunity. I've got hundreds and hundreds of friends over in UK and Ireland. We're going back again this year, this time with my good buddy, Bryn Klein, fellow CarQuest Technical Institute instructor and trained by tech member. He and I are going to co-teach a GDI class out there. A lot of their vehicles are diesel fueled vehicles and few of them are gasoline direct injection. So that's what we're going to go teach a diagnostic approach class. There. Did I ever tell you how much my wife, Ann likes Bryn? He's a great guy. <laughs> really, really great guy. We were at a conference together. I think it was an ASA thing. I think it was in Orlando. I think it was at Disney. It's all coming back to me. And Annie meets Bryn and she just took a shine to him. Loved Bryn. Anytime I mention the word Bryn Klein, she goes, oh, I love Bryn. Great guy. And so you guys are going to double team it. We sure are. And it's going to be a blast because he and I co-teach as it is as instructors with CarQuest Technical Institute. He's my wingman. So every time I teach a class, he's there to monitor the chat and offer some insight and, and tell some war stories. And we've been working together for almost four years now directly. So we're going to have a lot of fun with this. And he's a brilliant technician. Yeah, he is. You told me, don't be the hero, Carm. What do you mean by that? As I was alluding to earlier, I tend to share as many of my mistakes as I do my successes because I want people to see that the things I've accomplished truly are attainable. I'm not up here. I'm right down with everybody else. I would never tell somebody I'm smarter than them. I just see things a little bit differently. So I like to show them how I do things, but also how not to do things because trying to be the hero, I've seen many classes written where the instructor is methodical, step-by-step in the process. Everything goes smooth and it looks like he has the car figured out and repaired in, in a half hour and he never even broke a sweat. But that's not realistic. We all know that's not realistic. And I think I capitalize on sharing my mistakes. I want people to see that I goof up too, or I make a mistake and I got to backtrack. And sometimes I walk away with egg on my face and it's reality. 
as long as I'm trying my best, I try to be better next time. Boy, I got to tell you, Brandon, thank you for bringing this up. We were just doing an interview. I believe it was yesterday. The subject came up about you know confidence and asking great questions. And I told the story that when I was a whole lot younger in, in meetings in, in corporate America, after I sold the business, I was quiet in a meeting where things were being discussed that I knew nothing about. And I was afraid to raise my hand and say, can you explain that? What's that? I don't understand. Can you go back over that acronym again? Because I didn't want anyone to think <laughs> that I wasn't at the top of my game and I was really good at it. Come out of the meeting, people would come up to me and say, thanks for asking that question. We didn't know either. So there's more people that don't know than do. And it's so important today. Don't hide behind the fact that you think you're at the top of your craft because you'll never be ever. Am I right? That's right. It's always changing. And to your point, I say in every class I conduct, I said, if you have a question, please say it, because I promise if you're thinking of it, at least 10 other people are too. You're doing everybody an injustice by keeping to yourself, keeping it quiet. And it gives me an opportunity. And you say that in every class. I do in every class. It gives me an opportunity to explain things from a different perspective. Sometimes approaching it from a different angle is all it takes. And then suddenly you see all the light bulbs going off. And when you say that, do you see the positivity of questions coming to you? Absolutely. You can see it in their body language. They're, they're up on their elbows. They're leaning forward. They're shaking their head yes as you're talking. I answer one question, and then there's another hand that goes up in the back with a question to follow. So it really works well. How often do you see a networking or a mastermind thing growing inside when someone asks a question and you give an answer and someone says, yeah, but you can also do this, and the other person, does that ever happen? Like synonymously, almost every single time. Perfect. Yeah, a dynamic occurs. Set it bets when you just say knowledge begets new knowledge. You learn something and you grow from there and it sparks another idea. And you ask another question, you keep delving further and further into it, deeper into the rabbit hole, and suddenly you start knowing what you're doing. The answer to that question, because not only of a great trainer who cares so much to get this knowledge transfer going, but the engagement of their people amongst each other. And I've always said this, I don't care if it's business management, if it's technology, Brandon, if you're sitting next to someone, please get a business card. And if you don't have a business card and you're a technician, please get your owner to get yourself a business card and start passing it out. If it's a Facebook handle, if it's your email, it's your cell phone. We need to grow our own networks inside of our industry. And I know you encourage that. Absolutely. That's the most important thing. That's, that's what keeps the fire burning. It's the networking. Well, I can tell you with confidence, I have never spent a single penny in my life for my business on advertising at all. I don't have a website. I don't have flyers. I don't have commercials. I lied. I had a sticker made. <laughs> I'll get you and Tracy one next time, but I pass that around all over the world. It's a reminder for technicians. So I wouldn't call it an advertisement, but I guess I'm taking advantage a little bit. What I was getting at is I don't spend any money on advertising. Everything that's come my way is simply from queries I get over the phone or over the internet, but mostly Facebook Messenger, which is again, free. So networking, to your point, I network everywhere I go and I literally have friends all over the world because of it. How cool is that? Look, you're getting ready. As you said, you have to do a ton of videos. I think in the green room, you told me you have almost 40 years plus videos you got to you got to do this year. What's it take to write, to create, to bring in the case studies and the pictures and the cameras? How many hours does it take to produce a half hour video? So here's the thing I was told I was crazy for doing. I offer free technical support. And the reason I offer free technical support is I don't want to make money it's not that it's wrong to make money offering technical support. I could make an entire career out of that. But I use the technical support to educate technicians, to help them fix the car in their bay, but at the same time to harvest some data. So they become my hands and feet. 
and I tell them what to collect and I save it. And I've got hundreds and hundreds of files, almost like a phone book in my computer. And every person in that file, every person has a file, has sometimes dozens of vehicles and hundreds of captures. And as I collect this stuff, it gives me new information to write new content in the magazines and new ideas for videos. So kind of a symbiotic relationship. I help for free, but in the end, it helps me do my job. It's a web. Of networking. It's tentacles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was very wide, very long, very deep. I don't know how I get it done. It doesn't make sense. It just kind of works out. That's amazing what you just said. I, I don't care to make any money. I, I just care. I care to get and pull the data together because you'll never know when you need it. So let's go back to how long it takes to do, a, say, a half hour video. Oh, okay. So that process is a little strange for me. If I did it my way, I'd just wing it. But unfortunately, when you have sponsorship, they want to see what you do before you commit to a video. So many times that consists of me coming up with an idea. Many times it means obtaining a product first. In other words, a scan tool, if you will, that I've never had had in my hands before. They'll have to send it to me. I'll have to play with it for a couple of days and then get an idea what I'm going to do. I'll write out an outline for myself and that'll turn into a script and I'll submit the script and they'll read it and approve it. And then I'll get to work building the video. To film a half hour video probably takes about, me now I'm getting really good at it. It takes about two and a half hours moving the camera around and capturing things. It takes another two, three, four hours of editing preliminarily. Then I'll write a video cue sheet for our production team. You know, they're the ones that cut and paste all the, they make all the magic happen. Then comes review. So all in all, we're probably looking about eight hours worth of work for a 30 minute video if things go well. Yeah, I know. Do we appreciate that? The effort that's, that goes into this so we, we sit and we watch things and we, ah, after 30 seconds, we're out. Not realizing that some people put their heart and soul. I mean, we put our heart and soul into everything that we do. And so do you. And so do all the other trainers that do that. But yet, I guess maybe my question to you, <laughs> we're so time bound. What's your message to people that said, don't skim, get in deep. Yeah. As far as creating content and stuff, you mean? Yeah. Watching it, getting it, uh, absorbing it. Yeah. So I will always try to create a video that I know is going to be useful. Sometimes this is hard to tell your sales team that, listen, I'm not in it to help the sponsor. I'm in it to help the technicians. But if you trust me, if I make it appealing to the technicians, your message will be delivered. I just can't do it the way you want me to because it looks like a commercial and I don't do commercials. So I try to create content that the techs will love. I want something that technicians will use. Yeah, commercials is selling. And basically, you're telling I me, mean, you're saying, listen, I'm using this thing, good or bad, here we go. And hopefully it comes out positive for the sponsor. That's so interesting. That's a great commitment to have. Don't sell, don't do infomercials. I can't do that because people trust me. I've got friends all over the world. And when they ask me a question, I try to be honest with them as possible. And I'm there to help them. But if somebody sees that I'm trying to push a product because I'm getting paid to push one, I would lose respect for me, if that makes sense. And I know the technicians would too. I was talking to Oscar. We did a great episode with him a couple of weeks back, and he's talking about some of the young people that he has come to either his training center he's been out teaching and says, well, so why are you here? Well, my boss told me or my dad told me I had to be here. That's too bad. Yeah, he's just going to make more money off of me if I learn this stuff. And of course, Oscar went, oh, he goes berserk when he hears that. He gets up on his soapbox, puts the person under his arm and says, I know what Oscar says. What would you say to an individual like that? I'd ask them why they have that. I wouldn't say why they have that attitude, but that's what I'm looking to figure out. And I'm guessing that they do not feel confident in their abilities. So they feel like going to class is a waste of time, like they're incapable of learning or they're not smart enough. And I think if I can get them through a class and have them leave there interested and excited to go back to work. I've opened their eyes up to training and, and they want more.
And I've witnessed that firsthand several times. The texts come in and they're like this. And then after you put them on the spot a few times and you ask them a question, you know, they can answer. They start getting involved because their confidence, they feel like they belong there. And I've been in classes where I felt like I don't belong there because the instructor was a bully and the instructor was a show off. It truly made me not want to be there. And I'd never want to do that. I don't want to alienate somebody. I never want somebody to feel like they don't belong in the classroom with me because we're all capable of doing the things that I do. Certainly a lot of those people are a heck of a lot smarter than me. We just got to show them how. I remember Oscar said, look, at if you commit to being a perpetual student and learn this stuff and you get this newfound knowledge and you get good at what you're doing and you can't earn more money, you can't see a career pathway. Do you know why God put wheels on toolboxes? <laughs> well put. So if you're not investing in the shop, yeah, you are, because you're bringing your knowledge to that career that you have that you're being compensated for, good or bad. The right environment, that's one thing that you mentioned early on. I just don't want to go into work with a bad attitude and come home with a bad attitude. It's got to be about enjoying what I do and working in a great environment. But to say no to training? Yeah. Some people, you just can't show the light. They just don't want to see it. It's those same people that are going to struggle for the next few years before they decide to get out of the industry or they're constantly going to be damaging vehicles. And that can't feel good. Even if the boss doesn't make you pay for it, or even if the boss lets you get away with it and move on to the next job, don't worry about it. We'll let somebody else fix it for you. That can't feel good. How much is it our owners in this industry that have so much responsibility for getting our people to the right competency level through training and paying for that, managing their training resume and all the things that they're doing? In my mind, it's a two-way street. It's a marriage. Truly, I was ignorant to the facts, you know, of what an owner actually does. I never thought it was just somebody that collects the money while we work hard. I, I never once thought that, but I didn't realize what it takes to be a shop owner and how well-rounded you are will help determine how successful you are. And I learned that after attending a bunch of Rick White classes, believe it or not. And I told Rick time and time again, He'll vouch for me when I say this. I said, you make me want to open up a shop again. I had aspirations of doing it, but for the wrong reasons. I wanted to open up a shop because I wanted to keep the money. I would have surely failed because I was not a good business person. Still not a good business person. After attending a lot of Rick's training, I realize now how much help I would need to become a successful business owner. And I would certainly have reached out to him for help to do that if I wanted to start a business. But they carry so much weight on their shoulders and trying to manage business and, and being profitable and making sure the shop and the individual employees of the shop have what they need. Structuring training, not sending text to class, but structuring a training program, keeping them on task. We've got vision coming up in just a few weeks, Carm. Think of what it would cost to shut a shop down in the state of Pennsylvania for the better part of a week and fly, even if you only flew four technicians out there and yourself. Think of the thousands and thousands of hours, but but when you invest in your employees and you're investing in your business, you know what I mean? Everyone's growing together. You make it a bit more personal. And I love that. It's happening more and more, Brandon. You know, Sha, I know Sha. Every year I go to Vision and, and I start meeting. Hey, I'd like you to meet my team. I know these people. Now they're, now they're extending into their team. They may have a huge team and they may pick half the people go this year, half the to go next year, but the responsibility of coming back and sharing with each other. You took this class. Why don't you come in and just give us an hour on what you learned? And now you're our go-to person on VVT, whatever it is. To me, the strategy of managing 
training. I got into business because I wanted to keep the money. Oh, by the way, I have to tell you that is just the greatest quote in the world. And that's why there's so many failed struggling that hurt the image of our industry because it's, uh, I'm sorry, no soapbox needed. But yeah, I get it. Believe me. Thank you for bringing that up. I love the this the, the end of this show here is we're talking about the responsibilities that we all have, trainers, owners, technicians to come together and manage training and get it from the best and get to these classes. Look at the venues, online, leader-led conferences, internet, YouTube. So here's where I think a little bit of the problem is time and money. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. That's a lot of the problem. (laughs) I know. That's a lot of the problem. It's hard for people to see into the future, to see the return on investment. The money will come if you do good work, but you can't do good work if you're not properly trained. That's in the back of the shop and that's in the front of the shop too. You know, service advisors have to attend training just like technicians do. It's going to be an interesting year. We're getting ready to do a 2024 Outlook episode. And I got to tell you, what I continue to hear, Brandon, and I don't want to take the thunder away from our 2024 Outlook, but it was Hunt Demarest who said, Carm, we're going back to pre-COVID ways of doing business because all that big rush is gone. Some guys, they didn't have a great Q4. They didn't have a great last quarter. And they're not starting out like they would have expected from the previous January, this January. So what's interesting is that maybe we got a little laxed on some of the things that made us so successful pre-COVID. And we sat back a bit in our chair and it's time to rev ourselves back up and get focused on doing all the right things. And that is taking care of the customer. Well, how do you have the greatest customer experience? Back it all down. Great training, good people, great image, quality environment, good culture. Let's come up with the list. And of course, I think training has to be in the top three requirements of any person's strategic plan. And I know customers do care how much you know, but probably they need to know how much you care first. And by you attending training and keeping up to date with technology and taking care of the customer the best way you know how, if you focus on that, I'm not a shop owner, but it's my assumption things are going to go the way they're supposed to. The money will come. Okay. And a quote that you sent me, I think you use a lot. Problems don't exist, only solutions. It's true. It's easy to get sidetracked sometimes when you're in a cranky mood. But if you think about it, everything always does work out in the end. It might not be the way you expected it, might not be the way you wanted it, but it does work out. So it's not really a problem. We just got to find a way to come up with a solution. That's all. Thank you so much, Brandon Steckler, for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. I love being on the show with you guys. Good friends, you and Tracy. Thank you. Technical editor, Motor Age Magazine, and a great friend. We see you everywhere. And you're right about Rick White. You can go to one of Rick White's classes. You could be a a deli store owner, and Rick will convince you to open a shop. (laughs) He's great at what he does, and he's got that hands-on experience from all aspects, from sweeping floors to rebuilding transmissions, successful shops and failed shops. He's done it all. Thanks, Brandon. Absolutely. Thank you, Carm. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.